Um, I'm very happy to be here. So as Rachel said, I was campus minister for a few years at Christ the King, and um, I've also been very blessed to give several presentations through the years. If um, you, I want this to be kind of relaxed, so if you're like, oh, I need more coffee, you can just go get more coffee. I'm not like offended if you have to do that. To start off, though, in case any of you end up having to leave, I'm going to give you, it's probably the teacher in me, but some homework. So take out your phones, and I'm going to give you scripture verses to pray with. If you forget everything I say, but you pray with these scripture verses, it is still a worthy talk because the spirit of God moves through the word of God. It is the sword. And especially as daughters of God, I'm sure you've noticed, but in case you forgot and you were in a spiritual battle, the enemy hates you and he wants to steal your joy, especially in this area of the potential for you to be bride and spouse one day. So, and I'll explain that more, but... There's several, so prepare yourselves. First one, Sirach, S-I-R-A-C-H from the Old Testament. Sirach 37, verses 12 through 14. Sirach 37, verses 12 through 14. Ezekiel 36, Ezekiel 36, verse 16 through... Ezekiel 37, verse 14. So Ezekiel 36, verse 16, through Ezekiel 37, verse 14. The next one is Micah 7, 7, M-I-C-A-H. It's a prophet in the Old Testament. Micah 7, 7, chapter 7, verse 7. And two more. I'm going to give you a million. It's fine. My Bible's going to drop stuff all the way um, Romans chapter 4, verses 20 through 21. Romans 4, 20 through 21. And also Romans 5, 3 through 5. Romans 5, 3 through 5. So for those of you who weren't able to write it down, then you can just ask your friends after and they can send it to you. Um, the reason why I am sharing this with you is because, as I said before, the reality of the Christian life is that um, it's not all butterflies and rainbows, right? And we know that that is the case because as we go to Mass every week, and sometimes more, um, Jesus Christ didn't just love us through word, but in action, through his very body, right? He gave up himself, body, blood, soul, and divinity for us through his suffering, death, and then also his resurrection, which does have the final end of the story. So your story, what I felt very called today to share with you, what I'm praying for for you is that my story can give you a bit of hope in your story. That's my prayer. Um, and I come here, honestly, humbly before each of you, knowing that I can't sit with every single one of you for like an hour, though I wish I could. It'd be so fun. But what I can do is give to you some seeds from my own journey that hopefully they can help you as you continue to, to move forward and to mature and to grow into your own journeys. Now, again, what we know about our faith is it's not like a magic trick. You know, I'm not going to, I'm going to refer to novenas, but it's not like I pray a novena and then poof. Like, someone walks in and that's the answer to my prayers. What the prayer is about is that from the inside out, I am changed. And I am changed because that deep wellspring in my heart that the Lord has carved out with his spirit, he can carve it deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. Because everything I'm about to share with you, um, it'll make sense in one way, but I want you to hold the foundation of everything I say, which is 
what Rachel is referencing is that our identity as women, right, we, we are called to be as daughters and then sisters and then brides and then mothers. Regardless of the physical, biological aspect of that, which for some women they are called to, regardless of that fact, every single one of us as a woman is spiritually called to be daughter of God the Father, sister amongst sisters, and our brothers in Christ. Brides of Christ, right? That we give our entire lives to him, and that we don't pull from an, an empty well, but we pull from the deepest of wells, which is his spirit, that I'm then capable of pouring out. And as I pour out, that is how I spiritually am fruitful, right? Like today, when we're coming together and speaking, I'm giving words to you, but the words are words that the Lord has given to me. They're not just for me, right? So if I share them with you and they give you like a little bit of like, you can breathe, right? That's how the spirit moves. That experience is life. And that's a spiritual maternity that I get to participate in, that each of you gets to participate in as you go further and continue to grow in your relationships, okay? Um, so, stories don't make sense unless they're somehow personal. So for me, Rachel called me probably in January, I think, about this talk, and I had felt very convicted that there was a particular aspect of my life I wanted to share with all of you, specifically that I was in a relationship and I was thinking this talk would only make sense if I was sharing my engagement story, but I wasn't engaged yet. So I didn't tell anybody that, didn't tell her that. And when she called me and she's like, Okay, well, you know, so first we did sister, and then the phone cut out, and I thought, first we did daughter, the phone cut out, I thought she was asking me to do sister, which I was like, I'm going to do whatever they ask at the time. She's like, no, 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 we already did sister. I was going to call and see if you could talk on being bride. And I just started laughing. But I couldn't tell her that, because I didn't know yet when I was going to get engaged, okay? So, I did get engaged a week ago on St. Joseph's Feast Day. The Lord is very good. And this is why I'm so grateful to God that I can come talk to you. Because my story is not this straight line, here I made the right decisions, here I prayed the right prayers, and then poof, I'm in a prayer in my life. No, I've suffered as well as you have suffered, right? Um, I've fought a good fight. I've been confused in relationships. I thought the Lord was inviting me to open my heart in particular relationships. I know good men, right? But just because they're good men or we're good women doesn't mean that the plans always line up the way we think. And that's okay. And what I hope that my story can give to you is a bit of hope, literally. So, um, this is going to be really funny for me because I've never had the opportunity to share this story in its entirety yet. And we do not have enough time because it's a very long one, but I will try to give you bullet points. Um, so, I met my now fiance, which is so fun to say, his name is Alex. Um, I met him 17 years ago on Friday night. It was March 24th. It was a Friday night. And I met him at a prayer meeting. Um, we have a charismatic group in New Orleans. And I had been in the youth group retreat, and I was coming from a softball tournament, and I just really felt like I wanted to go. Ask my dad. I couldn't drive. You know. So he drops me off. Go to adoration, and I'm about to leave, and this guy comes up, and he's like, hey, do you play soccer? And I was like, this is a softball game. No, I don't miss that. <laughs> he was like, oh, okay. Then he just kept talking to me. So he was sweet, you know, like, I don't really remember that much about the meeting, which is fine, and then we talked to each other. We left. The next morning, I had a track meet, and I was throwing the javelin at about 8 a.m., and as I left from the event finish, and I was walking by the bleachers, and my dad was in front of me, 
And this kid from Rummel, I went to a school called Chappelle, this kid from Rummel was walking by me with his dad, and we walked by each other, and then we both turned around and we were like, hey, this is Alex. I'm like, we just met each other like 12 hours ago. This is like wild. So we're like, hey, nice to meet you. So we dated senior year of high school, um, and we were very blessed to have been spared from a lot of things that I did not know existed then, okay? However, we were still 17, 18 years old. We still had a lot of growing up to do. Right? Um, so he broke up with me right before college, and I was devastated. 18 year old Sarah Denny was like, What the heck, Jesus? He's such a good guy. He's a Catholic guy. He loves the Lord. So I kind of put him in this like box, this pedestal. Um, and as he tells the story, he would tell you that as an 18 year old breaking up with an 18 year old, he was very immature about it anyway. But like, he knew him. But I was heartbroken over this. So I had to, this though, this heartbreak pushed me even further into going to adoration every day, right? Where of course I pray for him. Sometimes like, could you just make them wake up? You know, and like, okay, I can't pray that. But Lord, just bless them. And I learned the importance of praying for blessing on the people that have hurt me, okay? Fast forward a few years, um, really just about a year. And something that Grace had just shared with me kind of sparked this memory. I was in St. Louis Cathedral for my 20th birthday with my friends, and um, I was in front of the statue of St. Joseph, and I honestly forgot about this memory until five minutes ago, so to me this is really cool. But I was in front of the statue of St. Joseph, and behind the statue of St. Joseph is the painting, the image of Abraham offering up Isaac. And I felt so convicted that the Lord's like, you've got to offer this man back to me. Like, you have to make this sacrifice. And I'm like, does that mean I'm going to get him back? Like, is that how this works, you know? And the Lord's like, he wouldn't say anything about that. He's like, you need to give him up completely. And so I did. Fast forward two years, tables flipped. He was interested in me. I wasn't interested in him anymore. And we were very, very blessed, thank God, that we learned how to communicate, right, as friends. And we weren't going to go into the sphere of being. We were just going to be friends. Um, about, it was five years ago, I was actually working at Christ the King. It was five years ago in December um, when we had a conversation. And um, I had gone through my life. I started my PhD. I was meeting a lot of new people. I was getting really excited about these different new people, different guys included in that. And yet there was this really good man in my life that I really respected and loved, but not in that way. And a lot of well-meaning people can come up to you. This is why the first verse I gave to you from Sirach 37. I want to read it to you. This is what it says. It says, Stay constantly with a godly man who you know to be a keeper of the commandments, whose soul is in accord with your soul, and who will sorrow with you if you fail. And establish the counsel of your own heart, for no one is more faithful to you than it is. For a man's soul sometimes keeps him better informed than seven watchmen sitting high on a watchtower. And so, ladies, my first invitation to you is to establish the counsel of your own heart. And the only way we can do that is if we put ourselves before the Lord and we ask him, Lord, reveal me to myself. Like, in a sense of saying, like, woman, know thyself, right? Like, Lord, what are these desires? Like, what do I truly want in this desire? Like, what are you calling me to here, right? And I had to, to deal with um, the gift of, it's a gift, but there's a good man in my life, and there's everyone in their opinions, and they're like, why aren't you dating this man? Because you're, you know, 25, 26, 27, 28. People were telling me this. Why don't you marry this man? He's so good. And you start to doubt yourself, and it's like, no, no, no. 
I cannot explain the mind of God. I don't have that power. But ladies, if there's something on your heart when you put yourself before the Lord and it's impressed upon you, you have to trust that. If you are seeking him, right? If we're ignoring him, you're playing, okay, you might be a little shaky, what the heck are here? But if you're putting yourself before him consistently, trust what he's putting on your heart that comes up in peace. So all I could say to my friend Alex at this time five years ago is, I love you so much. And whoever I marry, I literally said this, and I told people this, whoever I marry, I will one day introduce him to you and say, this man, Alex, showed me what I deserve in a relationship. Because he was my best friend, and he respected me, he didn't talk down to me, he didn't try to make me into something else, right? He respected me for who I was as a woman. And instead of crossing boundaries or pushing, if he wanted it to be different, he respected the boundaries because he knew, even if his heart before the Lord was saying one thing, if my heart was saying something else, he couldn't explain it, it doesn't make sense to him, but it doesn't matter because he respects so much my heart before the Father that he says, I will respect the line she draws. Does that make sense? So we decided, I decided, he told me since he was created, but I decided then, I told him, look, Alex, like I, I, it's like the image of my heart is this hallway, there's all these doors. And there was this door right here, and it was so beautiful and so good, and I love this, this like door, this like safe space, that I knew if I'm gonna be truly open to my vocation, and if this man's gonna be free to be open to his vocation, which I don't believe is with me, then I need to close this door. I was like, I'm not slamming it shut. There's no anger, there's no frustration. I'm so blessed there's no hurt. Like that had been healed through the years of just honest, good friendship. But I was like, I just need to close it. So I closed it. So we did not speak or see each other for four years. Other than like a funeral and once in an adoration chapel. That was it. We literally knew each other's adoration chapels because we've been best friends. That we avoided the ones that the other would go to out of respect for the other, unspoken. We just both did that, apparently. So, fast forward, um, last August of 2021, so a year and a half ago. We are, um, I had been working at Christ the King, and then I stepped away so that I could work on my dissertation for my PhD, because that was the least favorite thing, and I wanted to get that thing done as soon as possible, and I needed everything in my brain to be focused on that. Thank God it has since been finished, but, yes, praise God. As I finished it, the last year, which was this past year, I was like, you know, I really feel like the Lord's calling me a full-time job to finish it so I don't lose my mind, but I can do the finishing touches on it. Um, and to do that, I had multiple applications out. I don't know if you ever played the game Nash when you were a kid. Remember that game? Okay. I feel like Jesus played Nash with my life. I wrote down the list. It was a literal list of I'm applying to this, this. There were like seven things. And I actually did it. I was like, relationships that are questionable or like, really just not relationships, questionable. Or, um, you know, like these job offers or this continued school, like what am I gonna do? And it was like one by one, the Lord took a pen and just like scratched it out, scratched it out, scratched it out, scratched it out. Except at the end, he didn't circle one, he scratched it out. I literally was left with a piece of paper and I was like, what the heck am I supposed to do now? And it was the Feast of Divine Mercy in 2021. And I went to Mass. And I have a special love for Divine Mercy because I feel like when you're hurting and you're confused, you can just snuggle up to his heart and Divine Mercy, I'm not getting it. That's your safe space. It's so serious. Let that be your refuge. So I snuggled up in my stubbornness and my feistiness. And I was like, Jesus, come on, seriously. Like, 
you told me you want this thing. I'm trying to do this. And like, you scratched every option out. What is the deal? I'm like, okay, you're right. So I don't know what this means. I don't really want to talk to you now, but of course I'm going to keep talking to you and I surrender this back to you. Three days later, a good friend of mine who is a priest in New Orleans texted me and said, hey, do you want to teach at Chappelle the seniors next year? And I taught Chappelle previously for two years. And my first, I literally texted him back and was like, nope, don't do that. Why are you asking? And he's like, because the senior year teacher just left and they need a, a teacher for the seniors next year. And I said, I can only give a year because I'm finishing my PhD. And um, I also would love to pilot this curriculum I've written on the vocation of women for seniors in high school. So God's miraculous timing, I walk into this meeting like an interview and some of them knew me, some of them didn't. And I told them what I wanted to do. And crazy to me if you've ever taught in school, but without batting an eyelid, they were like, sounds great, you should do it. And I was like, this is wild. So I drove away and I was like, I guess I'm teaching seniors next year. It is the only thing that's opened up in front of me, and I need to make a decision, right? So I make the decision. I moved back to New Orleans in July of 2021. I literally evaded the cross-country coach because I knew they'd ask me to help. And I was like, no, 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 no. I don't have time, I don't have time, I don't have time. He found me, he asked, I said yes. Okay. <laughs> Here we are. And I've played sports my whole life. That's part of who I am. So I love sports. It's just a matter of time. So I'm like, okay, yes, Phil, I will be there. I'll be at these practices and I will definitely get every week. So every single weekend, wouldn't you know, I had just been called back by Jesus to teach at Chappelle Hospital, teach sophomores and seniors religion. Alex Gloria, my fiance, teaches sophomores and seniors at Rummel High School, and they are brother-sister schools. And he coached cross-country and track for 10 years. So every single weekend last fall, who did I run into, even though I didn't really want to, but Alex Gloria. So after a few weeks, in which I'm like, Jesus, this is like literally annoying. We already discerned this, I'm not doing this again. Like, he's such a gift, but that's not what I want, you know? Simultaneously, I was coming out of different situations in the previous few years that he knew nothing about, okay? I'm processing all this, and then I just felt the Lord make it very clear, like, you're, you're relating to a grown man. You two can mutually discern this thing. It's not like I have to hold it by myself. So we had a beautiful conversation in which I was like, oh, Total, total transparency, y'all. What else should I talk about? I'm just going to be honest with you. I was like, okay, I don't know what's going on. Of course, we pick up right where we left off. Um, I was like, you can ask me on a date if you want to. I'm not saying I want to be exclusive. I don't even know if you're dating anyone. If you are, I'm really sorry. Pretend this conversation never happened. <laughs> to which he said, because he's a very humble, patient man, he was like, I'm going to have to think about this for a minute. I was like, that's fine. So we circled back, we started going on dates, but I emotionally, my capacity to hold anything else was zero because of my dissertation, which was a 450 page paper on women's health. And I put John Paul II and Margaret Singer into a dialogue. So I think it was very deep into like philosophy and medicine, which was wonderful, but taxing, right? So my ability to give to another person was slightly limited, but it didn't matter because the gift of healthy dating is what we're really doing is rekindling our friendship, right? And that's one thing I want to tell you, is the gift of relationships. So many times we put these like pressure labels when the invitation, an authentic marriage is one built on friendship. Do not be afraid to engage in a friendship, okay? I'll explain that as I go. Anyway, so fast forward, um, it went, well, it was actually difficult because we had to like kind of learn each other anew. 
Um, and also, it was very beautiful, right? Because, like, you, you do know this person, but, like, I've also changed, and he's changed. And so we had very honest conversations that sometimes were very difficult. That included, like, me saying, like, I'm not sure if this is right. And that's something I want you most to hear. Dating is not what you do when you know it's the right person. It's how you get to the answer. Dating is discernment. The reason why the church says don't do certain things in dating is she's just trying to protect you, right? Because I can much more easily discern with someone, right, when there haven't been certain lines crossed physically, which releases certain hormones, which bonds me in a different way, right? I can much more easily discern this actual person, not what I want him to be, not what I think he can be in the future, not what he was back then, who he is today. And we can discern together, is this the fit? Right? But what I want to share with you that I pray gives you hope is girls. In the meantime, I just give you a story that jumped from 17 to I'm now 34. That's half my life. So I know what it is to cry in the adoration chapel because you feel lonely. And because you feel like Jesus is not listening to you. And I'm here to tell you that he is listening to you. Every single one of you. No matter what your vocation is. Some of you might be called to religious life. Consecrated virginity. Praise God. You're still called to an intimate union. It's going to be with him. It's very unique. But some of you are called to a physical marriage. And you're like, okay, but Sarah, how the heck is that going to happen? I'm telling you. I literally told the man I'm going to marry. I cannot and do not want to talk to you anymore. And we did not speak for years, girls. It was not of Sarah Denny's power or control. Though I do try to control things. Right? Like my name's in the Old Testament, she's trying to control things. Okay? All of us have that temptation. It doesn't make you a bad woman. If you have days or weeks where you have a dip and you're like, Lord, I just don't trust you. I'm telling you, every version of the book I've lived, I understand. It does not make you some horrible woman or you don't trust God enough. Stop it. That is a distraction from the enemy. There's no grade you get for how you live out your desire for your vocation. It's one day at a time, and I will tell you what a good priest friend of mine told me that I firmly believe in, and it helps me through this whole period. He said, the will of God is not fragile. I'm going to say it again. The will of God is not fragile. There is nothing you can do or say to mess up or screw up your vocation. You do not have to get on dating apps if you don't want to be on dating apps. You do not have to go to the party if you're exhausted. You don't have to force yourself to go to this event because maybe I'll meet our future husband. Stop. 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 Please stop. The enemy, what he wants to pull us up in, and trust me, because I've done it, I've lived it, and I've done a little battle, and then someone over here who means well, and they love me, they're like, well, how are you ever going to do that? Like, I don't know. I don't know. And you know who does know? God knows. He moves most often in our lives outside of our intellect. That is why he says in Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, Above all else, right, who are we trusting? Trust in the Lord your God with all your heart, right? He says it's not about our thoughts. He says rely not on your own understanding or intellect. Rely not on your own understanding or intellect. But consecrate, right, to, to give over, I'm paraphrasing, but to give over yourself and your intellect and your heart to him. And he will make straight the path. He, God, will make straight the path. So all the pressure you're putting on yourself, I'm begging you. I'm begging you as like a sister on the journey with you. 
who still cannot believe that there's a diamond ring on my finger. Like, what the heck is that? I keep looking when I'm driving. Gosh, I look at the road. Like, that's crazy. That's my finger. <laughs> and like, I love to hear y'all laugh because, ladies, I'm telling you, there were so many moments that were so confusing before I got here. So many moments. And I want you to hear me when I say it's not because there's anything wrong with you. That is a lie from hell. And when the enemy who is from hell gives you lies from hell, as a woman much wiser than I says, you tell him to take a long walk off a short pier. Seriously. And if the image helps, you just think about following the ocean. Ah. Here's the deal. He's not that creative. What does he do? He's not that creative, but he's going to play. For me and Paul, he plays the same part, though. We're like shocked when we struggle with this thing again. Why are we shocked? I don't know. But I do the same thing. But he's always going to pray in our weak points. So when you're tired, when you're hungry, when you're sick, when you are about to start your cycle and your progesterone is bottoming out, do not make big life decisions, right? Number one. Number two. Don't always think that your feelings define your reality. Because this is the thing for us as women. Our feelings do not define reality. It's the same for men, but we have a much wider, I think, colorful array of experiences of emotions, okay? They're beautiful, they're good. It's why we can sit here and you're all wearing this beautiful dress and we have this beautiful morning and this whole setup. Guys cannot do this, praise God, right? The difference. <laughs> but, but in embracing that, we have to see that some of our greatest strengths are our emotions. The underbelly is, underbelly is that as a woman, I have my rational capacity. I get to choose how to order my emotions. So when I don't feel the way I think I should feel about something, or when I can't understand this thing, or I'm just like, like, stop judging yourself for how you feel. We just feel what we feel. And sometimes you just don't feel good. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with you. It does not mean that you doubt the Father's promises. But to trust his promises, that is why I gave you all these scriptures. If we are going to trust that God the Father wants what is good for us, we have got to pick up. I mean, this is like, I'm not kidding. You forget everything else I say, that's great. Remember this. If you are going to remember that your Father is good, because I don't really struggle with God's existence. I believe he exists. I struggle with whether or not he is good. Right? If you, at any point, are struggling with believing his promises, if you feel that, that inclination in your mind, you're starting to doubt, does he love me? Does he hear me? Does he want what's best for me? I am begging you. I don't care if you think this is weird. I'm telling you it's not. You are a woman who lives in the material and the spiritual realm because that's what it means to be human. And so you need to pick up the sword of the spirit. Right? And it says in scripture that the word of God, scripture, is the sword of the spirit. It's sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing to the division of bone and marrow. That means it is precise. And when you are struggling with whether or not God is good, or he sees you, or he hears you, I need you to pick up your scripture, and I need you to pray it. I don't care if you don't feel good when you pray it. It doesn't matter. It is still, he said, that no word goes forth from my mouth without accomplishing the purpose for which it is sent. That is his word over us. So if your words... Okay, they don't have the same kind of power. When you used his words, which how did Jesus in the beginning of Lent, how did he come back the end of the desert? He used the word of God. Use the word of God as your sword. Pray with Ephesians 6 every day if you want to. To just kind of have that imagery, you're putting armor on, right? That's the Christian life. To be honest, please, if you want to be a Christian woman, you are fighting. 
Like Wonder Woman, I love those movies, okay? But what does it really personify? None of us is perfect. We all have deep desires, but we are given tools. But do we pick up those tools, or do we just think about picking up those tools? We all do. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I should pray more. Ten weeks later, I should pray more. <laughs> okay, maybe I should sit down for five minutes. Five minutes is better than nothing, right? We need to pick up the sword and we need to pray. Connected to this, hence the theme of this whole talk, um, is this verse, Micah 7 7. Um, and in Micah 7 7, it says, But as for me, I will look to the Lord, I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. I'm going to read it one more time. But as for me, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. I think our biggest struggle in these, this kind of area of our life as women is does he really hear me? Like, God, are you listening? Like, do I need to keep saying it again? And so the temptation, which is for all of us, myself included, especially as intelligent women, your temptation will always be to be consumed with it, to think about it nonstop, to pray about it nonstop, to get very close to, we've all done it, myself included, to make it our idol that we put on the altar of our hearts, and that's the only thing we worship. And that, that's, this is no, here's the thing, girls, remember, everything I'm saying, none of this is condemnation. This is a woman's walk, right? So there's no shame that we do this at different points in our life. There is no shame. That's, again, a distraction from the enemy. There's only invitation to, okay, now I know, now I see, I can do better as I go forward. One thing I want to share with you is that as I was doing my dissertation, a lot of women came to me with some very difficult stories. Um, it's how the Lord works in my life. He works uniquely in each of our lives. But as I'd write about certain things, especially women's struggle with men, different women would come and they would share it. I was always thinking about this verse, and it's from Genesis 3. The part of the punishment is it says that your desire, he's speaking to the woman, your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Girls, our propensity is to want this ache, which is a beautiful ache. It's from God. It's, it's meant to be fulfilled in ways that are good and bitter and holy. But sometimes we can be so consumed with it that we start to desire to possess for you to be the way I want you to be, to be the man who I want you to be, to act the way I want you to act, whatever it might be. And then man's temptation is to dominate. You're under my thumb. And this is something that I have seen, unfortunately, more consistently in the last two or three years in like Catholic circles, is there's a bit of confusion about the roles of women and men. And I just, all I can share today is from my experience, but I do want you to hear, and this is my experience wedded to my hero's John Paul II and everything he's written on women. When I was a freshman in college, I was a biochemistry major because I love medicine, and I took a women's studies class. And on the first day of class, we had to go around the room and say our name, biological sex, and gender. To you, the probably sounds like, yeah, that happens all the time. This was January 2008. My little bubble popped, and I was like, uh, my name is Sarah, I'm a woman, and I'm female. I was so confused. I was like, is that self-evident anymore? Okay. So then I was on this journey, like what does it mean to be a woman? So I picked up John Paul II's writings on women, which I highly recommend, you can Google them. One of them is called Letter to Women. You can read that tonight before you go to sleep. It is literally 10 minutes and that's it. The other one is much longer. It's on the dignity and vocation of women. Just Google it. I would take that on a desert island if I were by myself. I love that much. 
Um, what I read was the most freeing, beautiful description of woman, and this is what I mean. He describes that God's original plan for woman is not lost any one of us into having to be the same. We each have different personalities. We each have different levels of intelligence, different forms of empathy, different ways of processing things, and praise God, because here's the thing, ladies, there is no competition. I could say that the whole talk, and it still wouldn't be enough. There is no competition. That's BS from the enemy, yet again, to distract you. There is no competition between you and any other woman. That's a distraction. The reality is that he's inviting each one of us to come to know who we are. That is the gift, who you are. With your flaws, with your insecurities, with your questions, praise God. And if you are called to marriage, the man that you will marry, and I'm speaking this to you as a woman who has walked with many women preparing for marriage, because I do work with them in their fertility, and many friends who are married, and myself now, holy cow, I'm getting married. Who you are is the gift. God the Father desires for you to be with a man who looks at you with respect and receives the gift as is. So what I've seen more recently in some circles, even in the church, which makes me sad, is this temptation to think that as woman, I need to hide my strength. I need to, in a sense, like, not show it because maybe I'm too much. Or because that's what submission is. That's also a lie from hell. No. Submission, if you break down the word, sub under mission. If you go to Ephesians 5 and you read it, the mission of Jesus Christ was to die for his bride. We are under the mission if we're called to marriage, if it's a true reflection of what it's invited to be. I'm under the mission of a man who's looking to Christ, looking to Christ for how to love. But that does not mean that every single man that loves Jesus is ready yet for that gift. So if you were in a relationship and anytime your strength or your feistiness or your sassiness comes out, because I got all three, I'm stubborn as heck. If that comes out and you feel suddenly shamed for it or put in your place because it's not appropriate, it's not feminine enough, I have a lot of choice words I can't use right now, back off. That is not the voice of Jesus Christ. Get behind me, Satan. I'm not kidding. The role of Mary as a woman was that she spoke the truth. Oftentimes when I think that like Mary's like hidden in the corner, she is pious and humble. I'm not saying like that. But who was the woman who approached God at a wedding and was like, hey, they don't have any wine left. Like that's a bold move. She spoke up when she saw the need. What I'm trying to say in this, and if you're like, I don't really experience that, great, praise God. Some of you have seen it, and I'm sure some of you haven't. My point is this, there's actually no competition, ladies between you and your future husband. At least there shouldn't be. You will each come to your marriages with unique gifts. So in a sense, we can't even compare our marriages to other marriages, because in some marriages, the man's strengths look like this, and the woman's look like this. And that might be very different from this couple over here. But St. Francis de Sales said, there's no true strength without gentleness, and no true gentleness without real strength. That's the kind of man that understands Jesus. There is no true strength, true strength without gentleness and no true gentleness without strength. That is a man who echoes the heart of Jesus Christ. And this is not to say, right, I'm not proposing that as women we just like bulldoze over men. Ah, uh, opposite of what I'm saying. Just 
sometimes with students I have to clarify. What I'm saying, ladies, is this, is that do not be afraid to reveal your giftedness. And if you're in a relationship where you feel like you have to hide who you are, it doesn't mean he's a bad guy, but perhaps he's not the right one for you. And I remember living in Baton Rouge in an apartment, this is just two years ago, and being very convicted by the Lord. And this is hard to say. It's easier now to say because I have a ring on my finger, okay? But in the moment, it's very hard to accept. I knew that the Lord was showing me that he would rather me be alone than be in a marriage with a man who does not respect me or love me for who I am. Because that is slavery, right? That's slavery. For freedom Christ has set us free. Do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Ladies, men are not the enemy. They're also the gift. That's the beautiful thing. And when I said that verse to you earlier about the temptation for man is to dominate, you don't want to do that. But also just like we don't want to possess sometimes we're like, oh my gosh, why am I getting crazy? Like I'm acting crazy. And you know, like, okay, chill, right? So too for men. It's temptations, but temptations don't define us. It's what do we choose in the moment? And that's our invitation. It's not to see men as the problem or as the enemy, right? Because then we enter into relationships with something to prove and that's not what we need to do. But it's to see them as our brothers first and foremost. And that potentially the Lord might call us to give our lives to them. And that would be phenomenal, right? But until we get to that point, we're still asking questions. And those are holy questions. And those are good questions. And what I hope you can hear from me today, ladies, every single tear you have cried, every single heartbreak you have experienced, every single man you have loved that is actually not meant for you, none of that is a waste. I have loved in different ways of love, right? Depends on the level of friendship, relationship, different men. And while when I was getting away from those relationships, I was like, why would you let this happen, Lord? Why? Aren't you tired? Because I am. While in those moments, the last thing I wanted to do was pray for them. Men much wiser than I would remind me, it was the most important thing to do. Because I don't want them to hurt either. I don't. I really love them. Right? Yes, you have human emotions. You're angry. Sometimes we're like, ah, I wish this would happen. You know, whatever. No. Cue every country song that's like coming out. Not that. Okay? Pray for God to bless them. Because if you pray for blessing upon them, it also frees them, but it frees you to be able to receive the gifts that God wants for you. Some closing thoughts. In the Song of Songs, um, it says multiple times, I adjure you, like I beg you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles and the deer of the field, that you stir not up nor awaken love until it please. Stir not up nor awaken love until it please. There can be moments, you're all in like, Everything's exciting, there's all these emotions, you're like, let's just like run a million steps ahead, and it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Love is patient. Love is patient, love is patient. Do not be afraid to persist in patience in your relationships. You will lose nothing, and you will gain everything, okay? In the Song of Songs, it also says, if I can find it, there's a part where the bride goes out because she heard the bridegroom knocking. And she's looking for him and she's seeking him. And she asks what's called the watchman, right? She asks them, where's the bridegroom gone? And 
at one point, and I can't find it, of course, because I'm looking for it, but it doesn't matter. At one point, she says, these watchmen of the walls, they beat me. These watchmen of the walls, they beat me. That verse for me has spoken to me at different parts of my life when I offer it to you that maybe there were relationships or even just friendships you were in that you felt like a man who, quote, should have known better, didn't, and you walked away feeling less than, or you walked away feeling hurt. Remember, we're not better than they, they're not better than us. This is a place of equality, okay? But the equality doesn't mean sameness. And so when we have these experiences, they may not be able to understand why we hurt as much as we do. Right? That also goes back to maturity. But as we walk away, what I want you ladies to understand is that what we can be very tempted to do, I was talking with someone before about this, what I was tempted to do very often was, that, Lord, maybe I actually don't know your voice at all. Because I thought you were calling me to this thing. But this thing I walked into, now I'm hurt from it. So do I even know how you speak? Maybe I know nothing. And I'm begging you ladies, the number one seed to guard against is bitterness. Bitterness, bitterness, do you hear me? Bitterness is so like destructive for our hearts. It puts down real deep roots, and that's what makes us think that all men are jerks. And that's what makes us think that all men are the enemy. And you have moments where you're like, you think that other women think that you don't. But it happens, right? Usually when we're hurt. The watchmen of the walls are not the bridegroom. Yes, they were supposed to point to the bridegroom, and some of them failed. But again, if we're seeking our true spouse, which is Christ, he can heal our hearts, and he can push us back out because he wants to give us the gift. Do not doubt that even though you walked into these friendships or relationships and maybe you were hurt that something was lost. It's not. Nothing is wasted. Your prayers for these men are never wasted, ever. Only in heaven will we truly understand gross. Do you understand? Only in heaven. And until then, do not feel like you've wasted anything. Your life, your time, your beauty, you have not. You have gifted and you have learned, but you have gifted yourself to relationships. That risk that you took is the only way we find love. We cannot find love unless we take the risk. And that is the scariest risk that we take. When I moved back to New Orleans, I was like, this is sort of ironic considering I'm married, but I was like, I'm married Protestant. I do not want to marry a Catholic man. They're all driving me crazy. I just can't. That's why I said it to multiple people. And I meant it. I was like, Protestant pastor's wife? I can do that. I can do talks. Like, I can do my own little word. I wasn't going to convert. I'm not saying that. But I was just like, here's the deal. Look, there are some Catholic men who know the truth, but they don't know the truth. And there are some men who are not Catholic who don't know the truth, but they know the truth. Do you know the difference? That's what I'm saying. If, don't, don't just like box them in. Also, be very careful, right? When you make your lists, cute lists, I'll talk about that in a second. That's great. But don't like, he checks this, good, good, good. No, oh, I can't talk. No, uh, we're not marrying lists. We're marrying flesh and blood, okay? So chill out with that. Use it as your encouragement, but not as your definition, okay? Um, anyway, so I'm home and I'm like, oh, I don't want to marry a Catholic man. And then there's Alex Lord, who's like, well, some of you know him. He's, he's a good Catholic. He loves the Lord very deeply. And I also have my own, like, kind of battles to fight against. And I'm like, I already did this. I'm going to do this again. I don't want to hurt again. I love him, but, like, I don't want to marry him. Like, I don't want to be open. Whatever. And the Holy Spirit's, like, knocking, knocking, knocking on my heart. And I'm the only one that can know that. And I can shut him out. That's, I'm free. Or I can say, this terrifies me. There's a part of me that does not want to do this. I'm tired of being hurt. Perhaps so. Lord, if you're asking me, the only way I find love is if I take the risk of vulnerability and take the risk of hoping. 
And so I did. And so last Sunday, um, so Alex and I, uh, around January, I said to him, so we, we knew, like, we also were blessed with deep friendship. So we knew Indonesia was coming. We wanted to know, I was like, you're going to wear the ring for the rest of your life. I should probably know what you like. So, so it's some ideas, but I couldn't even pick a snowball flavor. So it was all of us. So I sent him some pictures, and he, like, in January, we had a moment where it was like, okay, no longer speaking about this, no more questions asked, okay? So it was just like, mum's the word until further notice. And then you do the girl thing where you're like, I may be ready, like, yes, yes, and there yes. I will tell each of you, and I want you to hear this, the prayers that I have prayed through the years, there have been many and they deep, just like yours. So many prayers. So many prayers. Sometimes crying yourself to sleep at night because you're that lonely. Not like a dramatic way, in a human, you're a human being one, right? Sometimes, like for me, my fridge would be covered in save the dates, and then they were covered in baby announcements because I'm 34. Most of my best friends are on their third kid, fourth kid, right? Like, Lord, I, somehow I know that you want to provide for me, but it seems impossible, right? That's, I know that place. So, anyway, I went from, you know, always being prepared for this to happen, and then last weekend, I'd had a crazy week the week before. Last weekend, I was exhausted. It's a piece of St. Joseph. And I'm getting ready, and it's 45 degrees outside, which it never is on March 19th. I don't know what's happening. Alex says that he's sick. He's really sick. He has fever. For the record, so he's really sick. We had prayed the St. Joseph Novena. And for years, just to let you know, a Sicilian tradition, which is very popular in New Orleans, is to steal a woman. You may have never heard of this. If you have, you understand. If you don't, we're not superstitious. I have about 15 lemons, and I don't have them all stuck But I have stolen them for years. That's like my story, right? So I have always lemon, and it's fun. To me, it was like a fun thing. Like, still lemon, because it's like, oh, if you still lemon, the old ladies don't see you, and you get a husband. Okay. <laughs> so that's why my talk includes girls. It's not like a poof, and then he appears. Like, so remember, this is not a magic trick. To me, it's like, it's a playful thing with the father who delights in me as his daughter, first and foremost. I'm like, hey, Jesus, I know this lemon doesn't really mean anything, but I'm taking it, you know? And I go on my merry way for the last 15 years. So this particular year, I am late. I, I am exhausted, can't find the skirt I wanted to wear, no idea what it meant. So I'm wearing something, I'm like, I hate this outfit, I'm late for mass, blah, blah, blah. I get to mass, I'm sitting there, and um, Alex, who's a very pious man, you know, he, I went to like grab his hand at a certain point, and he like stiff-armed me, and I was like, what is he doing? And he wouldn't move, I was like, I don't Y'all, literally, I looked at him after the fact on Monday, and I was like, did you pray that nothing would make sense to me? He's like, I'm a smart woman. I caught on to nothing. No details seemed to work that day. He's like, oh, yeah, I literally prayed against you having any idea. And I was like, that's so annoying. Because like, he listened to you, you know. I mean, but I wanted to be surprised. I did. That was actually my, my heart's attack. So anyway, we're at Mass. Mass finishes. We had reservations for breakfast. We go to breakfast. We're leaving breakfast. He's like, I have to tell you the story, but... This kid I played basketball with when I was 10. What are you talking about, Mr. I don't know. But some of the story, he's an athlete too, so we go on our merry way, we're talking in the car, and he's like, hey, let's go to the St. Joseph altar at this parish in that area. So we go to the St. Joseph altar, and he's like, I don't want to stay too long because he knows a lot of people there, and he thought one of them might do something and spill it, so he's just like, let's just look. And I literally, two girls that were my students, they're like little sisters now, they sent me a picture as I'm walking to this altar of the lemons they stole on Sunday. There's like four lemons. They're like, 
husband hunting? And I look joking, okay? So they send me this picture. I'm laughing. I'm showing Alex. And then when I walk into this altar, they have like a, a little placard that says like, you know, steal a lemon like, and you'll get married or something, whatever. So I take a picture of the joke, send it to them. We do our like, quick visit. And then my thought as I'm leaving, I kid you not, this is so hysterical to me. The little girl in me is like, hmm. I kind of like stealing lemons, and now I don't have a reason to, so I guess I'm not getting a lemon this year. I don't need to steal one. I'm not stealing it. Ha ha, jokes on me. So I'm walking out, and then he's like, hey, can we go finish the St. Joseph movie about the statue of St. Joseph? And I was like, it's 45 degrees, can we go in the car? And he's like, no, can we please go by the St. Joseph statue? And I'm like, sure. And I'm like, it's like, sir, off the you know, so go to the statue. We pray. I'm like, like, look over here. I'm like, hey, love, just pray for us. I meant it, but I was just freezing. And then we're walking. There's this beautiful statue of Our Lady at St. Francis Xavier forever in the area. And this beautiful statue of Our Lady that we have prayed by that he during COVID um, would go to and pray by. And it's it's just like a lot of meaning to us, okay? Um, and we're walking by it, and I'm like, wow, look at all these flowers. And he's like. Yeah, isn't it cool? Like on the feast of Saint Joseph, like they want to honor his wife. And I was like, yeah, that's really cool. And I'm like, wait, is that your mom's plate? Like, did she put these flowers here? And he's like, no. And I'm like, I'm still like the flowers are for Our Lady because it's Saint Joseph's feast day. Like, I'm leaving nothing. And then I'm like talking about Our Lady, and all of a sudden, I think I was cold. I was like, okay, let's go. And then he like drops to his knee, and I'm like, what? <laughs> like. This isn't even what I wanted to wear. This is, I can't believe you're doing like, well, you know, whatever. But honestly, nothing came out of my mind. He couldn't get the ring out. He gets the ring out. He asked me to marry him. The poor man is, like, sick and shivering and does not feel well, but literally persevering because he wants this for me. He wants this for me. And he pulls out the ring. I get a bit distracted because it's so beautiful, and he helped design it. I was like, oh, my gosh, Alex, this is perfect. And I was like, I'm sorry. Of course, yes, I'm married. So he gets up. And I was like, wait, so those are mom's flowers? She's like, yeah, she put them out here. I was talking about that basketball store. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so wild. <laughs> and then he sat down and he said, Sarah, and I shared, like, okay, look, I'm not one to share these like details. I don't share this as like a, oh, look at me. I do not mean it like that. I mean it because I know in my heart when I'm telling you this that this is not just for me. I'm so tired of the enemy stealing our joy as women. And I knew when he told me that this is for women, to know that this is what God wants for them. And this man that's known me since I was 17, that my prayer has always been, when I get married, I don't want to be Sarah Denny. A lot of people know Sarah Denny, and that's great. I love it. And I, I love like who I get to minister to, but like when I'm married, I want people to just be Sarah. You know what I'm saying? Like hair in a messy bun, I don't have any makeup on, I'm just like running around with the kids, whatever. And of course, on the day when I'm not all put together and I'm not able to be perfect is when this man gets down on my knee and he asks me to marry him and I'm just Sarah, right? And he loved that. And he tells me he forgot everything he was going to say in his speech, which is why we're sitting now and he's like, telling me this is what I want to say. And he said, on my heart this morning, I was having a hard morning. I knew you were having a hard morning and on my heart were the words, bread of adversity, bread of adversity. And he said, and I feel like the Lord was telling me whether the bread of adversity or like the beautiful gifts that we can experience, I will be with you. And he said, Sarah, I cannot guarantee you that our lives will be happy all the time because they won't. 
It won't just be this like jewelry thing every day. Sometimes it will be the bread of adversity. But even in the bread of adversity, I choose you. He's like, and the jeweler did not have time to do this. He's like, but I want to get your ring engraved with Micah 7 7. Now, the backstory is when I was 17 and we had just met, a very close family member of mine was arrested for something we didn't do and convicted for something we didn't do. My family fell apart. It was very difficult. And I was blessed to go to Mitchell for the first time. I've since been there several times. Very grateful for that. But I went to Mitchell we went to this place, it was a castle, I know, long story, another day. And this woman had put on these plates, everyone had in the shape of like a bread, like a toast of bread, scripture verses, because that's the word we actually eat is scripture, right? That's what gives us life. And everyone had their own. And mine said, Micah 7 7, my God, I knew. And I knew that I knew that I knew. All the tears I was praying, like crying, and all the prayers I was praying in the Jaboria. Um, which is the first time this man had told me he loved me. And at 17, I, I'm like, wow, I'm kind of proud of myself. I've said that. I was like, I'm so grateful, but I'm not ready to say that. That means a lot to me. And I hope I can say that to you one day, but I'm not ready to say that. And because my heart was so, it's just where my heart was. And yet the gift of authenticity and freedom in that. And so my God will hear me, has stuck with me for all these years, and it's not like Alex and I ever talk about this. And this man got down on one knee for me a week ago, and he said, to me cry, but he said, I want to put my 7-7 on your ring, because you have prayed and you have cried, and you have asked if God hears you, and I want to help me answer to that prayer. And I want you to know that he has heard every prayer, every prayer, and he always will. So then I start crying. <laughs> and it was just a sweet moment. Sweet moment. I will always treasure. And girls, I share this with you because I want you to hear that you have no idea. Remember, the men that we have walked with that it hasn't worked out, we have no idea what they're going through. So our prayers for them are important. We do not curse them, we bless them. There's no judgment or shame on them. Sometimes it's two great people and it's just not the right fit. Sometimes, like my story, against everything I try to make happen, it's also just not the right time. But mine is a story that I hope blesses you to know that, ladies, you cannot screw up God's will for you. You cannot mess it up at all. It's not fragile. It's so good. So my invitation to you as I close, please do not stop praying. Because the gift I have now been given is I'm 34, I'm about to get married. I, in those years, would cry out like, Jesus, whenever you get this, I'm still going to, I would tell him, I'm still going to be mad at this. You didn't do this sooner. This is so annoying. Like, why didn't you do this sooner? I'm making light because some of these words are very deep. Like, Jesus, I don't understand. Because my plan would have been married by 25. That's my energy. Would have been married. The kids are not. However, I 100% mean it. I stand before you today as a woman who's 34 who says, Praise and thank you, God, that you did not write my story differently. I would not have a PhD. And for my mission, which is not yours, for my mission, that's essential. For my personality, that's essential. And for all these, I had three years I was writing my dissertation, and so many just icky situations were happening with men. God bless them, but it was like a mess. It was a mess. It was very painful, and it was very hidden. I couldn't really share it with a lot of people. Could not. And that ache and that pain 
I realized that the Lord was showing me like there is no man strong enough, no man strong enough to stand next to you with the weight of this dissertation. It's too important, it's too heavy. The only man strong enough to stand next to you for this season of dissertation is Jesus Christ. Until that finishes, he's the only one. And sure enough, Alex came in as I'm finishing, never before. And it was a gift given to me. And ladies, I am, I am Sarai, not Sarah, all the time. I know the temptation to take control. You said this word, talk to make it happen. It's okay when we do that. We realize it, we back off. But I beg of you, whatever you do, this is the one thing you remember me say besides use your scripture is ladies, please do not, do not close up to the gift of love. You will recognize the love you are meant for when you recognize the love that created you in him. It will be within him. And you will not have to cower. You will not have to shut down. You will not have to hide your strength. You will not have to, to be a certain way. That, that's no, none of it. You will not have to be or have to, should, would, could, no. It's who you are is the gift. And in closing, just this thought, I want you to know this. Your prayers are not wasted. Don't be consumed by it, right? As much as you can, we, we surrender it. The litany of trust and the surrender of Lena, best friends of mine. Why? Because I want to take control. What does Jesus say? The most powerful prayer you can pray is, Jesus, I surrender myself to you. Take care of everything. There's a surrender of Lena that is powerful. Jesus, so when you think about that guy you like, when you think about the guy that hurt you, when you think about there are no guys, what the heck, can you just send one, whatever it is. Jesus, I surrender myself to you. Take care of everything. And last night, I was going on a walk with Alex, and I did not know this till last night. I'm wearing this man in a week, and this is what I want you to hold on to as, as the end of the talk. And um, I don't even know how it came up, to be honest. But he shared it. And I literally stopped. I was like, you did what? He was like, yeah. And he's humble. So he doesn't, there's more that I know I will only find out as the years go on. He had had it on his heart the whole time that this was the end of the story. Like since he was 20. And he never forced, he never begged, he never crossed the line, he never, nothing, no shame, no condemnation. The man lived his life. And he was open to the fact that maybe he was wrong. Which is true discernment, humility before what we think we're doing. And he told me, because we're best friends for so many years, he knew I had gotten into this really bad relationship about eight years ago. And he said that he felt like St. Joseph was inviting him to pray a consecration prayer to consecrate me to St. Joseph. I just found out last night that he has prayed that prayer every night for me since 2014. Right? And we got engaged on the Feast of St. Joseph. And I really wish we had five more hours. I'll have so many stories I could tell you. We just don't have time. You all need to go, I know. But the point is this. That shock factor was nothing in my control. And this man is good. He's the best man I know. He's the one I am blessed to marry. But he's not the only good man out there. There are so many good men. Do not give up. Do not close yourself off to God, whose perfect love will continue to heal and make you new. And do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid when love sometimes follows torturous ways, as John Paul II.
Grace has the power to make straight the paths of human love. His grace. I want you guys to remember that because as Alex got the ring on Friday of last week, and even though I was ready yet and taking weeks more than I was supposed to, the jeweler who we had worked with, and I was in a play called The Jeweler Shop, and I was doing this ministry. It's a beautiful play, JP2 wrote. And the jeweler's character is like God the Father and kind of weighs the love of the couple through their rings. And the jeweler that made this ring, when he found out that Alex wanted to put a scripture verse on there, he drew a triangle and he said, look, Alex, Sarah, God's at the top. The closer you move to God, the closer you move to each other. Girls, these details that I'm telling you sound like, no way, no way. There's like five million I can tell you. We don't have time for it, right? Girls, your story too will have these details. But remember, we're not the author. We participate. We're like in it. It's our story. But trust that the will of God is not fragile for you. In closing, we're going to play a song. Um, the backstory of the song is that I used to blare this song when I did not feel anything that I just told you. When I just felt like, God, you feel like a liar. God, you're going to provide. God, I feel like all these things are going crazy, right? And then, I mean, the song, it was a light for me, right? And they all have something like that. It's called The Story I'll Tell. And my prayer was that one day, which is crazy because I'm back here in a place where like, I even discovered the song. My prayer was that one day I would be able to sing the truth of that. The story I'll tell is God's faithfulness, even in the midst of this part of my life, right? And I accidentally found out when Hans was asking my dad for permission to marry me, because he still did that, even though we're adults, because he's just a respectful man. And when he came over to tell me about the conversation. He walked in the door and the song New Wine came on. And then as he told me about this conversation with my parents, where he, I'm, I'm learning, this man is like blessing my parents, loving them like I would. This song, the story I'll tell came on. So I invite each of you to listen to it, knowing that the story you will tell is not a story of God's forgetfulness. It's not. It's the story of his remembering you hearing every prayer and every cry of your heart. And he's just finding ways in the best time that's best for you and for whomever you're with, if you're called to marriage. He's finding ways to bring you together that it's not just good, but it's great.
See the words in the song. The story I'll tell is that my God will not fail. The story you'll tell is that your God will not fail. And that your God does fail. So I want to invite each of you right now um, just to kind of like sit back, get comfortable. If you want to open your hands, you can. If you don't have to, um, just close your eyes. I'm just going to lead you in a few minutes of prayer. So start, just take a deep breath. And let us remember that we're in the holy presence of God. Father, I just praise and thank you for the gift of every single woman here. I thank you for the gift of her daughterhood. I thank you for the gift of her sisterhood. 
I thank you for the ways that you have created our heart to be spouse and mother. I thank you for the ways that you already lived all of that out spiritually. Lord, I pray that you would give to each one of your daughters the conviction of your love for them. I pray that in the name of Jesus, you would go before them and you would assure them of your love. And Lord, we know that it's a battle and we know that you have promised that you will fight on our behalf. And so in the name of Jesus, I just break off all spirits of perfectionism. Um, actually, girls, do, you, do y'all mind saying this with me? Just repeat after me. In the name of Jesus, I break off spirit of perfectionism. In the name of Jesus, I break off the spirit of striving. In the name of Jesus, I break off the spirit of pressure. In the name of Jesus, I break off the spirit of undue expectation. In the name of Jesus, I break off spirit of doubt. In the name of Jesus, I break off spirit of confusion. In the name of Jesus, I break off the spirit of fear. In the name of Jesus, I break off the spirit of anxiety. In the name of Jesus, I break off the spirit of depression. In the name of Jesus, I break off the spirit of abandonment. In the name of Jesus, I break off the spirit of pride. In the name of Jesus, I break off the spirit of pain. Do a little bit more and repeat after me. In the name of Jesus, I send all these spirits to the foot of the cross so they cannot return or send any substitutions. In the name of Jesus, I pray your spirit of peace, your spirit of hope, your spirit of joy, your spirit of abundance to fill every place of my mind, heart, and memories. And I plead the precious blood of Christ over me, around me, and in me. Mother Mary, I just consecrate all of these young women to your immaculate heart, which you have promised is our refuge and will triumph. I pray that you will go to the Father and petition on their behalf, especially as they seek to surrender all these desires and these beautiful prayers to your heart, that you would hold it for them, that they can go about their business, which is truly the business of the Father. Mother Mary, we thank you for your love for them. I thank you for the ways that you are untying every knot in their lives. I thank you for the ways you're untying knots in their families, and I ask and implore you to continue to pray for their hope and their joy and their encouragement as they go forth, that they would remember the words that Jesus wants them to remember, that they would be able to lean into the places that Jesus wants them to lean in. We entrust all of this to you, Mother Mary, and I pray, Father, that you would just wrap your daughters in joy today as they go forth in this week, in renewed confidence in your faithfulness and in the stability and the authenticity of your promises, that we too 
And being in that visitation with Elizabeth and Mary, where it was said, blessed is she who believed that what was spoken to her by the Lord would be fulfilled. I pray this over my sisters. Blessed are all of they that believe that what was spoken to them by the Lord would be fulfilled. And I thank you for the graces where you even said, Lord, remember not the former things or consider the things of old. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do not perceive it. Give us the grace, Lord, to embrace the new beginning. Give us the grace, Lord, to not live in the what is, but to live in the what is. Lord, give us the grace to live in the glorious gift of the reality you have laid before us, trusting that you are a good father who is faithful, especially to his daughters, and who sends the apple of her eye, and that you will never forget us. We offer all this in your name, Mother Mary, as we say, Hail Mary. Full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and the hour of our death. Amen. And just because we're in warfare and we just broke off a lot of crap from the enemy, just as a protection prayer, we'll just say, St. Michael, Virgin. St. Michael, the Archangel, defend us in battle. We are protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Our Lady Queen of Peace, pray for us. Saint Joseph, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Ladies, there is much to be hopeful about. And you are each a beautiful gift. And I pray that you can walk in that truth. Um, and settle for nothing less than what you deserve simply by offering who you are in all of the glory. Thank you for listening to the Christ the King at LSU podcast. The ministry here is possible thanks to our generous supporters. If you would like to become a CTK Golden Giver or learn more, please check our website. Your monthly financial support reaches hearts across LSU's campus and beyond. Details can be found on the website at ctklsu.org.